Catherine Druckmann. I'm sitting with Doc Searles. We're from Linux Journal. And we started this cool new podcast. Um, one of the first things we really wanted to dig into is the concept of privacy because it's on our minds a lot here at Linux Journal. And, and Doc, <laughs> what is privacy and, and why do we at Linux Journal care? So I, I first want to say it's interesting that we're both sitting here and uh, you're in Houston, I think, and I'm in yeah. Santa Barbara, California. And, um, but that actually speaks a little bit to the situation we're in in respect to privacy because, um, uh, privacy is a, is a personal and social grace that humans invented. Um, because nature didn't come with privacy. But nature at least came with distance, <laughs> meaning that if you're in two completely different places, you're essentially private from each other, whereas the Internet has no distance at all. I mean, you and I are zero distance apart right now. There there may be a tiny bit of latency um, in in the connection, but essentially we're we have the sense of being fully present with each other and and. The privacy that we have in respect to that is we're both on audio. We're not looking at each other. We can both be sitting here naked for all we know. But we've got that worked out a little bit. That's worked out. There's a a kind of privacy there. But my I have not brushed my hair. I'm just putting that out. <laughs> I have not brushed my hair. It didn't uh, happen. <laughs> it didn't happen. So the 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 thing is that I mean human society without privacy is almost impossible. I mean, it, it, it's not, we've had privacy for as long as we've been human beings. We've been weaving and, and carving and, and cutting up animals and wearing their skins. I, you know, clothing is a privacy technology. We walk around wearing privacy technology. We shelter is a privacy technology. That's why we have doors and windows and shutters and, and ways of, Evolving the degrees to which other people can see us, we we selectively conceal and reveal parts of our lives and of ourselves um, uh, in in ways that are really quite fully understood in in the physical world, and we've they've been well understood for a very long time, and uh, if not more or less forever, as long as we've had a species, and they're very casual and. While there is there are laws around them, um, those laws are really relatively recent. Privacy law it really probably only dates to 1890, which is when um, I think it's Charles Warren and uh, Louis Brandeis uh, wrote a seminal legal paper on the right to privacy, uh, which included it within it, for example, the right to be left alone, which is now part of European privacy law with the General Data Protection Regulation which went into effect this last May 25th. And one of the problems we have right now with privacy as an issue is that in the absence of the tech, in the absence of uh, clothing and shelter, the equivalence of clothing and shelter that are widely available and well understood and norms around all those things, we're starting out with the laws. And, and that is putting the legal cart way ahead of the horse of tech and norms. And our part in this, I think, with Linux Journal, um, and I think also with our parent company, which is called Private Internet Access, which runs a VPN, a very popular VPN. Um, Actually, Private Internet Access is our uh, sister company. 
uh, you know, we're in, we're in the privacy business in a way. We we care about it, and we care about it editorially. Um, at Linux Journal, we care about it because geeks are the ones that invent things. They're the ones that um, provide the world with the things we did. But we're we're the equivalent of what the the weavers were, you know, and and the tanners were that that crafted our clothing um, in in prior millennia and. We have we haven't done our job. I mean, quite honestly, we have not done our job. We've done parts of it. We have crypto. We have onion routing. We have um, VPNs, uh, services like that, and these are for the most part still workarounds. We don't we don't have we, we even even if we had the tech, we don't have the norms yet. And because we don't have the norms, where you know, for example, in the physical world. It's well understood that you don't plant a tracking beacon on another human being when you meet them for any reason, much less to give them a good advertising message at a later time that your robot will guess guess at them with, um, you know, which kind of gets us to the, you know, your your personalization question, you know, um, uh, that, that that the notion because we we have I'm going all over the map here, but I'll just try and finish a point, which is that. Um, the, the internet basically gave us all a platform for agency. It, it, it is the fulcrum that allows all of us to be an Archimedes who said, give me a lever long enough and, if, you know, and I can move the world. We have that with the internet. Um, but unfortunately, we've also been in the industrial age ever since industry one in the early 1800s and, and our norms corporately uh, and it's not about capitalism so much as it's really about assuming that only large companies can have full agency and that we live at their grace, that that Google and Facebook and Amazon and Apple and Twitter and other big companies, even older ones like General Motors and Xerox are going to give us what we need. And that's just not true. I mean, we clothing and shelter are perfect examples of things we provide for ourselves. Um, Large companies like Nike may make shoes for us, but they are our damn shoes when we're wearing them, and they're not a suction cup on Nike's tentacle, you know, on a Nike tentacle. And to think that that is a grace, you know, for Kramer on to to even suggest that is just ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous. But it's also normal because if you're living in the Silicon Valley bubble, um, and you you know, it, it makes a kind of sense. But I think that that there's a reason that I moved away from that bubble physically, you know, 17 years ago um, and have more or less avoided it ever since. I think that that the you know, we we can't live continuously in assuming that the big companies are going to give us all we want because we will get horrible dysfunctions out of that. Right. So given, as you said earlier, that we feel duty bound. We feel like we have a higher responsibility. And, and I mean, you and I and Linux Journal readers and the community, the tech community at large, we have a higher responsibility, let's say, to um, protect people's privacy, to give people the tools that they need um, to protect our own privacy. Um, what, why does it seem, though, that the general public doesn't care quite as much about privacy? I mean, we, how many of us have welcomed uh, Amazon Echoes into our houses and, yeah. and, and, and into our cars now and into our hotel rooms? And 
and all of these yeah. various places. And, and, and the thing that I think is relevant to a lot of people is that we've already started along this path. You know, we've gone down this road of, of welcoming all of this great smart home technology and all of these things that arguably improve our lives in the interest of personalization. But at what point, I mean, so where do we go from here? How do we, well, how do I, we protect ourselves yeah. going forward given well, the situation? Hmm. Well, but there's a whole lot in that. Um, Sorry, that was a lot. I mean, I mean, no, that's good. That's <laughs> Accidentally. Good. You, covered, you covered a lot, and I think that that speaks to most of what we're kind of in the middle of right now. And um, I think it's a couple things. I mean, first, I think it's important to understand um, that we've had, we've been living in the physical world for, you know, what, a few hundred thousand years. And we've been living in the digital world for maybe several decades. We've been living on the Internet really only for about two um, we could date the Internet that we have now really to April 30th of 1995 when the last of the backbones within the Internet that forbid commercial activity went down. That was the NSF net. And after that, basically, Amazon and eBay and the, all of commercial activity on the Internet began to explode. And then we got sort of all the norms around that. We have browsers and we have ISPs and we have email and um, uh, but. but but Phil Winley, uh, who's a, a colleague, um, uh, he's a computer scientist at BYU and very inventive. And his, he had a wonderful slide in one of his presentations a while back that was titled The, <laughs> the History of E-Commerce, 1995, Invention of the Cookie, The End. <laughs> right? It's just, it's sort of, you know, we sort of stopped there. And, and I mean, if you, if you told, the geeks among us in 1995 that in 2018 we'd still be living with cookies as ways of following people um, and that we'd still even have logins and passwords we'd have thought you were crazy they like, wait a minute we just invented reality 2.0 and we're still stuck with logins and passwords and living in other big company silos it's ridiculous um, but it worked really well and that's part of the problem because it, it really worked very well for the industrial model, which says, okay, we'll, we'll concentrate power with the big companies that can afford to pay big money to the good programmers and, um, to, to come up with ways of doing things that give us social graces. I mean, it's, it's interesting to me that, you know, that on the one hand, the Amazon Echo, for example, Alexa would, I, I don't have one, so, and I wouldn't, but, um, <clears throat> you know, we're at a friend's house. And they said, please don't use the A word. We're talking about Alexa. But no, no, no. It'll wake up the cylinder over there in the corner. Oh, okay. Really? I mean, it was like a forbid conversation uh, about that. You had to say like the A word. And you almost wondered whether or not Alexa would hear the phrase the A word and then take it for something and then just report that back to the to the mothership. I think one reason that we are boiled frogs here, we are not that alarmed about it so far um, is that um, we there, there are two things. One is, as my lawyer friends taught me when I was hanging out at Harvard Law School um, with the Berkman Center a few years ago, no harm, no foul. You really need harms. You need big harms um, that that are really going to get people upset. And and in the absence of that, well, we don't have it yet. In other words, who's who's harmed here? I mean, yeah, I'm followed around. I have this, 
I have these dog, you know, digital dogs sniffing at my heels, but they're invisible and they haven't done any harm yet. And I don't, I don't really care. But there is two things about that. One is there actually is plenty of evidence that people care. A company called Trust E that got bought a couple of years ago every year reported on their research on how how people care about privacy. And, and every survey they did said basically 90 percent of people online feel their privacy is violated and don't like it. Um, it was another study done in like 2015 by uh, the uh, Annenberg uh, School at Penn at University of Pennsylvania. Um, Professor Turo was one of the ones on that. It's been a while since I've looked at it, but the point they were making is that um, people acquiesce. They, they, they're, they've made a, they know it's a Faustian bargain. They're not happy with it. Um, and, and please don't assume that an exchange has been made here, that this is a deal that anybody really bought into. They, they put up with it because it's the only way to get what they want. Um, and, and, and there aren't many other choices and, and it's convenient. And so, but another piece of evidence, and this is really, I think, important, which is that at least as of like a year and a half ago, when I put, last put the numbers together, 1.7 billion people online were blocking ads. Now, why did that happen? Um, it didn't happen in a vacuum and it didn't happen because as the, what became of the advertising industry, as the way put it is, well, the ads just aren't relevant enough. Well, that's bullshit. It, it has nothing to do with relevancy. It, it has to do with the fact that people couldn't, that do not track failed. Um, if you look, and I've, I've published a few things, some including in Linux Journal about this, that if you look at the history of searches for, say, um, ad blocking and for, um, uh, or how to block ads and, um, and also for the most obvious form of evidence of tracking, which is retargeting, you'll find that they both go up almost identically. And also that uh, just there's correlation is not causation, but there's a lot of correlation there. Um, you know, so there was a great onion headline a few years ago that said woman stalked across eight websites by obsessed shoe advertisement. Well, that that was an example of retargeting. And um, what what happened with do not track is that the browser makers, in some cases reluctantly, but in the case of Mozilla, enthusiastically decided to turn on do not track by default. All that meant was that a request by default would go out from browsers to websites when when an HTTP request went to a website to request the file that is the website. That's how the web works. That's how the hypertext protocol works. That there would be a request not to be tracked. It was a simple thing. And the the IAB, the Interactive Advertising Bureau, which is the the industry organization for the tracking-based advertising world, colloquially known as ad tech, um, absolutely split, split a gut, waged a really vicious campaign against Mozilla in particular, claiming Mozilla was hurting small business. It was right out of the political um, advertising songbook. Um, and Mozilla caved in. The weird thing about that is Do Not Track was never anything more than a polite request. It was exactly mapped in the same way as we wear clothing in the physical world. Wearing clothing with buttons and zippers is a polite request to other people not to open those buttons and zippers. 
And our, our browsers are private spaces. They're our browsers. They're not somebody else's browser. We have a sense that they're like our car or our bicycle or our house. They're our private space, our private vehicle on the World Wide Web. And it's important to remember, too, that we're not really going to a website. We say that. We're requesting a file. We're requesting a file from another place on the Internet that we get to view in our own device on our own software. That is our software and our device. It is not theirs. They do not have the right to invade our machines at fucking all. Okay, that's that's the social breach that happened and that it became normative did not make it right. And the fact that after um, after the IAB came down hard on Mozilla, that almost immediately ad blockers, which had been around since 2004, maybe even 2003, suddenly shot up. And we have this biggest boycott in human history at this point. Whatever the number is, it's in the billion or point X billion uh, worldwide. And again, it didn't happen in a vacuum. And if it weren't for tracking, we might not have it. But because of tracking, we do. So that's, an, that's evidence that people actually do care. We don't yet have normative tech for stopping it. Brave is a really cool new browser that has its approach and Mozilla has an approach and Apple has an approach. Um, Google will be the last to approach it, but they're going to approach it in some way. But it, it, we don't have a standard for it. We don't have a standard for saying, this is my private space. You're not you're not getting in here without without me saying so um, and permitting only those things that are um, you know, non-invasive or just, you know, legit site interests like like, you know, analytics that say, yeah, OK, I, I uh, we're counting how many people do this or that or came from here or there. And that's OK. So I, I should ask you. So what we're doing because I know we're not you're running our our website and I know you're struggling with what's the right version of Google analytics to use or what alternatives there are. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what we're doing with that? Well, we have no ads, so so we <laughs> shoes will not <laughs> stalk you across the across the internet after visiting an external. Um, you know, we've we've tried to keep everything to a minimum. We we basically we took the approach of tearing it all down, and then gradually re-adding conscientiously where where we could. We didn't have uh, social sharing buttons on our website until this week because we just didn't we just didn't want to participate. We, we tapped out. We're, we're 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 gone. You know, see you later on, on all of that. And then we, but then we decided, okay, well, there is a way. There's a way to allow people who choose to use some of these services to go ahead and do that. And and the the way that we added them is it's actually a project called Sheriff um, that was written by. Um, how's it, how's it, how's it spelled? S H A R I F F, like sheriff. Oh yeah, like sheriff. But, but sharing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, and it, it was a really easy thing for anybody running a website to drop in and allow people to share to Facebook and Twitter and Reddit and all these places where you might want to share content, but without those services having any sort of tracking on our end. So. So things like that, you know, we, we, we're just, the first step is being conscientious of it. You mm -hmm. know, um, we had gone down a path before where we had just accepted, I think, that being 
a product on the internet required certain things. And then we were in a position, fortunately, where we got to say, no, you know, we, we don't, we choose not to participate in this anymore. And, yeah. and I think, um, I think that was an important part of the battle is just, you know, making that initial choice and then deciding very um, thoughtfully and carefully what you do want to participate in and how. Um, so yeah, it's getting back to, so that actually raises an interesting point. So, mm-hmm. so, so beyond the things that we do on, you know, Linux Journal is a website. It's a publishing website. We share information. Um, but what can the, the, the geeks of the world as a whole, what is our role in this? Like, so it's, it's, a, it's a start to sort of try and, and build these walls between various services and, and not share information. But but what else is there? Is it, is it an education thing? What, what can we do technically? You know, what do you where do you see that? Yeah, I a lot of people people say it's really an education thing. I, I, I think I think the, the educational side of it is too hard at this stage. I think we need the tech. Um, I think that. um there, there are several things. I think the, the main thing for the geeks of the world is to realize that solving the problem for themselves is not good enough. I think almost every time I've written about privacy on Linux Journal, but not just on Linux Journal, other places I've written it too, one or two geeks will show up and say, I've got it all, I've got it solved. I use Tor. I use, you know, I, I have my tools. Why doesn't everybody else use the tools I use? Well, that's not good enough. We, we're, we're so early in this thing. We, we need to invent clothing and shelter. What is that? We need to have discussions about that and start building stuff that gives us the equivalent of clothing and shelter online and standard ways of signaling what's okay and what's not okay because that's a big part of what we have in the physical world that we don't have online yet in part because as we said early on, we're all zero distance from each other, and this is a really new thing. We've not. This is new to human experience. We haven't had that before, and 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 so exposure looks different, and exploitation looks different, and it's not very civilized yet. And the parties that ought to be civilized, you know, the Googles and Facebooks of the world, are among the biggest violators um, and the biggest excusers of bad behavior. Apple I, is standing out right now as a um, the best thing we, the closest thing we have to an exemplar of a company that's not going to play that game. And they're doing that because they're selling directly to you and me uh, or, you know, to, 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 to customers. And they're not a B2B company where the, where the, where consumers, not customers are a product. Um, so, I mean, it is in their interest to position themselves as, a, as that. But I also think it makes a difference for them that, and this is presumptuous on my part, but I think it's significant that they are run by a, um, a formerly closeted gay guy who cares a great deal about his privacy, more than Steve Jobs did. Um, and I think they've taken a principled stand on a lot of that. And I say, I should add, however, I have geek friends that say, no, 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 no. They, they, it's all a posture. They do this and this and this and this that suck. And that's probably true too. Um, so, but but the thing is that it's not enough to fix our own problems with the tools that we have right now. I mean, crypto is clearly a piece of this, but the number of, if we, if I, I like to make a wizards and muggles um, distinction, our readership, I, I would say, analogy. yeah, is a, our, our readership is certainly like 98% wizard. 
um, and 2% muggle. And, but the world is 99.xxx percent muggle and .xx something percent wizard. And, um, and, and the wizards need to step forward and say, we're going to, in a, some kind of coherent way, fix this. Um, and, and we're going to fix this in simple ways that start with the individual. You can't start with a system. Every new system only, you know, there's an old saying, you know, adding, adding manpower to a late software project makes it later. In a, in a similar way, um, uh, you know, trying to solve a systematic problem with yet another system that is central in some ways is only going to make it worse. The Internet is inherently distributed. We are inherently distributed as human beings. We are all different. We are all unitary. We are all sovereign and independent. <clears throat> and I say that not from a political libertarian perspective, though if you want to take that one, you can. It works. Um, but from a simple factual perspective, we are distinct and different human beings, and we have to be able to operate at full agency, which is the ability to act with effect in the world, online just as we do offline and <clears throat> we have ways of doing this offline we don't have them online yet so part of it is 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 creating the technologies that work for everybody that give us the equivalent of clothing and shelter and then part of it is being able to signal each other um and especially the organizations of the world of what's okay and what's not okay i'll put in a small plug for customer commons which is a nonprofit that i started with so other people are in, in our cabal um, that's modeled on Creative Commons. It has terms that, that, that we can assert that say things like, go ahead and give me advertising, just don't track me you know, for, for off the site or, or have your third parties do that. And we've already written that, that term. We don't have a machine readable uh, side of it yet, but we also have, we were approached by the IEEE um, a very august standards organization to create a um, a working group for that. That working group exists. is called WG7012. We just had our second meeting uh, yesterday or the day before yesterday. Um, a lot of enthusiasm around that. We will have that standard at some point. Um, that's an example of, of one of the things that we need. We need ways for the sites of the world and the services of the world to hear polite requests from their users and customers for for material or what's in to signal what's okay and what's not okay. We have that in the physical world. We can have it online too. But the geeks of the world need to get out of their shells and and not say, well, I've got my own problem solved. That's enough. No, you've got to help people out here and and do it in ways that that work for everybody and that muggles can understand. Say so telling people you have to well, geez, you just open a shell and um, you know and 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 pipe these commands. This is going to do it for you. Well, no, it's not. Most people aren't going to deal no, with a command is. line, right? Well, thanks, Doc. I think this is actually has been a really great beginning to a much longer conversation. So I think we'll we'll just think keep so it too. going. It's fun. Let's keep it going. Let's see what we talk about next time. Great. <laughs> like to hear back from people too. You know, see, oh, what, yeah. see what they think. Yes, please email. Oh, I should probably. Uh, uh, include a, an email. You can reach me at Catherine at LinuxJournal.com or you can reach Doc. Doc at LinuxJournal.com. 
And we should probably have one that's just called podcast mixjournal.com or, or whatever we'll call this podcast. Okay. <laughs> we would settle on that I yet. I say at the end of this podcast, there will be a podcast at linuxjournal.com. <laughs> I bet there is. <laughs> he probably already does. Wait, what is this, right? I can just go poof. See, right? you're one of those wizards. You can make that happen. Yeah. <laughs>